everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. Every week, we will catch up with all things money, honey. It's your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at Money Made Easy Podcast and also on our website at MoneyMadeEasyPodcast.com. We'll be talking all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it in the easiest way possible. Our goal is to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Now, you may be asking yourselves, are you both money experts? (laughs) Heck no, not even close. We're far from it. We will be bringing on some of the best experts in the biz to set you up for success. Now, on to this week's show. Hello, everyone. Uh, So today, we're very, very excited. We have Chelsea Brennan with Smart Money Mamas. And um, as she says on her Instagram, she is helping moms find their financial confidence so they can live their best lives and give the next generation the money knowledge we wish we had. But now let's welcome Chelsea to the show and have her tell us a little bit about her background before she started Smart Money Mamas. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Hi, thanks so much for having me here. Oh, thank you for coming on. We're so excited. You have so much great knowledge on your Instagram, your stories, your blog. um, And I know you've got like Facebook group and your own podcast coming up. So tell us all the things. (laughs) Absolutely. So yeah, we're all over the place. I love Instagram. It's so much fun. Um, We have our Facebook group and we have our annual virtual summit, Mama's Talk Money, which is every October. It's five days, completely free. And we talk about all different areas of money. But my background is actually in a very different world. I started my career on Wall Street, um, actually analyzing specific stocks and giving stock recommendations to uh, portfolio managers all across the world. And then I switched over to actually managing money myself at a hedge fund uh, for several years. And I became a VP there and then had my first kid and decided that I wanted to do something that was a little more tied to my passions and had a little more purpose for the world. And we started Smart Money Mamas, um, which initially had a different name, but that's fine. Uh, And to, to talk to moms about money, because I found when I had my son that so many moms in my community had questions and they didn't know who to turn to. And it became a thing where they were coming to me over and over with the same questions. And I was like, why don't we start a blog? Why don't I write this down so that you can just not, I cannot be doing the same conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we, so that's how we actually started the blog. And we had over 60 or 70 questions. When I told people I was going to start a blog, um, I had them send me questions and I posted every day for the first 30 days of the blog. I answered one question uh, and then just grew from there. Oh, that's awesome. That is so great. Wow. Well, I, um, I love the fact that you have such a rich background in finance because that is what we don't have. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I love that there's so many amazing true financial experts that are willing to share their knowledge so freely and help others out. And that's what we're even trying to do with uh, this podcast is just to help spread the knowledge. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so important. Yes. So, uh, and So you do have uh, your own podcast coming up. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the Smart Money Mama show launches February 6th. I'm really excited about it. Um, 
with our summit, we were having, I think we had over 40 moms last year, uh, women come and speak and give their knowledge across all these different areas. And we loved having those discussions and showing that even people that are experts in this field that spend their whole lives talking about money are still struggling with things, right? And it was so empowering for the moms in our community to see that they don't have to have it all figured out. So we wanted to make the podcast a way to kind of connect the dots between each annual summit, continue that conversation, and also provide some education in a way that was easily accessible for moms, right? We hear all the time of like, okay, I love your blog post, but I'd never have 30 minutes to sit down and read. Like I'd rather yeah. do it like on the way to school drop off and commute. Yes. So, so we started the podcast and it should be fun. Yes, awesome. it will be fun. I know it will. Um, and actually the summit is, I believe how I originally found out about you and started following and signed up for the summit. And, um, it, it was definitely amazing. It was so much content. So, but it was definitely one of those things where it was like, I can't absorb all this in five days. There's no mm -hmm. way. So I'm glad you're spreading it out with your podcast now. Uh, we definitely which, tried to tell people that were attending the summit to, to focus in on a couple of sessions, right? We didn't want them to feel like they had to drink through a fire hose and we can't fix all the things all at once. Yes. So we had a quiz that kind of helped them narrow down on a couple sessions to watch, but also just said oh, that awesome. if you're feeling overwhelmed, take a step back, like take a break. It's okay. The information will be there in the future. Exactly. Well, and you I love present your information so beautifully on your Instagram too. And it's just so easy to understand and like read through. And I mean, I, I love, I just, I, I, just, I appreciate good aesthetics and Instagrams and I really love yours. <laughs> I appreciate that. We've, we've worked hard to find our rhythm over there. Mm -hmm. And I love how, um, accepting and, um, encouraging that you are no matter where where someone's knowledge lands on the scale one of your posts you talk about how your budget is a living thing and having to shift money around or going over your target spending in a category doesn't mean you failed or are bad at budgeting instead it's a chance to reflect on what's working what might need to be tweaked and what you most value your life changes your budget can too do you want to talk a little bit about that and about how you're just kind of your philosophy is so encouraging mm -hmm. and not shameful. <laughs> yeah, I think there's so much money advice out there that's shame-based. And because money touches everything we do, right, it's tied to our ability to keep a roof over our head and food in our mouths, that our fear around money can really feel physical and visceral. And when we don't have it figured out, we hear from people all the time of, I feel like I'm failing at adulthood. I feel like I'm stupid. I feel like I can't do it, right? And if we feed into that, we have to stay stuck. And if we recognize that this is just part of life, it's going to touch everything. There's going to be moments we have setbacks, but baby steps forward is really the only way to move. Um, and that we're all struggling with this together, we can remove some of the fear around it, right? So we try to do everything from a perspective of a little bit better than yesterday is, nice. is better than great today and 10 steps back tomorrow because you're, you're doing that binge and um, purge thing. So um, that's our, that's how we try to keep everything focused. I love that Chelsea a little bit better than yesterday. I mean, it's so simple and mm -hmm. so encouraging and that is what, that's what we're trying to do with this podcast. And that's what's so important because it can seem so daunting and so overwhelming and so scary and so big and, um, just the way that you break it down and guys definitely be sure and go to her Instagram. She has um, 
notes and then in her links in her bio, she's got so many, so much free information, so much free. Um, there's on her uh, freebies. She has actual whole fresh section of freebies on her Instagram bio. And when you click on it, talk about some varied freebies. She's got a financial <laughs> health checkup, 200 at-home business ideas, debt payment trackers, oh, wow. meal planning, weekly and monthly, no big deal, uh, starter emergency fund trackers, beginner bullet journal templates, family recipe trackers. I mean, she's got so much great info. So if you are not following her, be sure you do and check all of her free stuff out along with she's got some great you've started a new thing just this year right with your courses yeah so we're launching a, a course every month that goes along with the theme so you'll see if you pop over to the podcast um, we're doing mindset in February and we're talking all about the importance mm -hmm. of mindset uh, so we will be have we have a, a freebie on creating uh, healthy money mantras and then we'll have a mini course that'll be $19 on how to build a wealthy money mindset so we'll have those mm -hmm. courses rolling out every month which okay, is so great I need $19 a month. Yeah. That's a, that, that's an easy course buy. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's like, there's so many courses where it's like a hundred dollars, which, you know, you're like, Oh, but it's a course. No, it's a hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and I lot. think we, I think there's a mindset thing there too. If we're going to touch on mindset, right? Yes. Of yes. It's a hundred dollars, but if it's a hundred dollars that saves you three hundred dollars a month for the rest of your life, then okay, well, we're making Absolutely. some great ROI exactly. there. Um, yes. And it, it seems like a lot right now, especially when you're stuck. But th those pricings, it really depends on the value you get out of it, which a lot of time is just committing to actually going through it, right, and not just amassing right. information that you never move on. Mm -hmm. So everything we do I is very action based. Of okay, let's take a step. Yes. I do think sometimes with, yes, the $100 course might be amazing, but it also might be um, like two weeks worth of, you know, two hours a day. Mm -hmm. And who's going to do a two weeks, two hour a day yeah. course? Whereas I'm guessing that $19 for your course, it's more, it's more doable. It's a smaller nuggets. It's not two hours a day for two weeks. What, no, we, we build everything classes? for busy moms, right? Right, <laughs> so yes, exactly. It's broken up. Uh, usually they're going to be about 60 to 90 minutes of video content in total, but they're going to be okay. broken up to, to 10 minute little increments of like, okay, oh, if you've got a few minutes, sit down, do a module, do one worksheet and come back to it uh, when you're ready for the next thing. Perfect. Well, and I think mindset is such an important topic to talk about, especially going into like this new um, year and just any, I mean, just going through anything that's like daunting, like money management and all of that is like, you're the one that's going to stop yourself at the end of the day if, to not better yourself and not progress. So as like mindset is like the foundation of it all um, for anything, but especially for money related issues, like that I, I'm just so excited. And I think that's just so important um, in, you know, bettering yourself and get out of the situation and all of that. And I agree with you that mindset is that foundation. And for us who has this wide range of people that, you know, are really, really early in their money journey to yeah. pursuing that kind of financial independence thing, we wanted a topic that spoke to everyone. And I've never met a single person that doesn't have some work to do on their money mindset, yes. right? And we definitely have people that are like, oh, that's woo woo. I just want to talk about the numbers. But you can't just talk about the numbers. There's mental yeah. blocks there that are going to make it even harder for you to exactly. reach your goals unless you take a moment and step back. Yep. Absolutely. I think 
that money mindset has come up on every single episode that we've Mm -hmm. had talking about uh, getting debt free, talking about investments, talking about taxes. (laughs) I mean, we have hit on every single expert that has come on has brought it up in one way or another, whether, and we've had entire episodes where we talked about money mindset, but it's definitely been a part of every episode. So I love that you're talking about that because like you said, sometimes when people first hear about it, they're like, oh, please, that's so woo woo. Oh, like if I think I'm going to be abundant, I'm going to be abundant. Well, yeah, kind (laughs) of. I mean, that's pretty simple, but it does... Yeah. It's more than negative. If you think you can't, and if you think you, it's the scarcity mindset, which mm-hmm. is you, if you can't break out of that scarcity mindset, you won't. <laughs> and the abundance thing, it is, it's hard to, to wrap your head around. Like if I think abundant, I'm going to be abundant. But when your brain wants to look for things that prove exactly. your thoughts. So if you think abundant, you're going to see opportunities that otherwise you would have just looked over, right? Yes. Um, and it's so funny that you bring up taxes because Barry Tesler, who wrote The Art of Money, and she's kind of like the founder of the financial therapy movement, she and her husband are both entrepreneurs. And they talked about in their book how paying taxes was really painful for them every quarter. It was like this big set of money. So they sat down and they wrote down all the things in their community that they appreciate, the parks and the schools. And then they changed the name in their budget category from taxes to community contribution. And she was like, paying it got way easier. It was just like, you know what? I love that. Um, So taxes have a mindset role too. Yeah. No, that's amazing. It's just this perspective shift, you know, like instead of focusing on the negative part of taxes, like, yes, it's a lot, whatever. But yeah, look at what it's providing in our community and what's providing our children. Yeah, it definitely was a sore spot with my ex-husband. And uh, when it was tax time, I was always like, hey, let's be thankful we get to pay this much. Yeah. (laughs) That means you're making money. That's what I said. I was like, that means we're making way more. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that don't even get this much. As much as we're paying in taxes, that there's people that don't even make that much. So mm-hmm. let's be thankful for that. <laughs> That's how I looked at it. And I, and it truly, I mean, yeah, what else you have to do it. So you might as well paint it in the best light and look at it in the best way that will help you be excited about paying it. Yes. <laughs> so, well, um, one of the things that, uh, you have a whole highlight about, which I think is so important is, um, financial abuse. Mm -hmm. And, uh, since I do feel like we have a large listenership of women and we haven't discussed that, could you touch on how you, uh, how financial abuse is the most common form of domestic abuse? Because I have to say, even when I was going through this, um, yeah, there's aspects of it that it was like, Mm. Ooh, wow. I, I, ah, mm, okay. Wow. That's smart. (laughs) So if you could, uh, kind of touch on that, that would be great. I feel so like. financial abuse is absolutely the most common form of domestic violence, and it precedes over 95% of um, physical domestic violence cases because it is a means of control and removing agency, right? Our money is abil- our ability to move through the world and to do the things that we want to do and to have freedom, right? To, to leave an abusive relationship. So often a lot of abusive relationships start in a place of financial abuse. And the hard thing about financial abuse, like many areas of money, is that we live in a world of gray, right? So some things might seem at the beginning like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like it makes sense that um, 
I should have, you know, an allowance for my, I'm overspending. So it makes sense that they're restricting how much money I should have access to. And they make it seem normal until it is completely removing your ability to make decisions. Right. So Mm -hmm. we see it in our community. Unfortunately, we've seen it a few too many times and it's why we started talking about it more publicly, but we hear from moms that were like, Hey, I had a career. Um, we had kids. My husband wanted me to be a stay-at-home parent. Uh, I told him I'd do it for a couple of years, and I thought, you know, it was good for the kids. And every time I bring up going back to work, he freaks out and, like, says that I shouldn't go, or he sabotages my job interview or whatever. And then slowly, their names are removed from accounts, right? And they're only allotted a certain amount of money, and they check all the bank statements, right? These things that get really, really scary really fast, yeah. even though they don't feel that, um, that weird at the beginning. So for us, this is a topic we talk about all the time, mostly around maintaining your financial power and a place that we see this start, and we never want to be in a place of victim blaming, but a place that we see this start is when we let someone else handle our money, right? When we say, this is overwhelming and scary for me, you do it, I don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, you love that person, you trust them, you want them to handle it responsibly, um, but then you don't know. And you don't see the signs and you can't protect yourself um, early on. So we want all the women in our community to have control and to know what's going on with their money and to feel like they have, uh, they always have that agency. Wow. That is so powerful. (laughs) It really is. I mean, it, like you said, it starts, it can start out so small and it can start out thinking, okay, well, I overspent. It's, it's, I should have controls on it. Well, no, you should discuss it and help make the controls or Mm -hmm. in your own mind, you shouldn't. uh, And it should be a, always a uh, joint effort, not just limits placed on you. I love that you. And it all comes back to mindset too, right? Like we've worked with survivors of financial abuse that spend years rebuilding their financial confidence because part of any abuse scenario, right, is to remove your self-confidence and they tell you you're bad with money and they tell you you can't Mm -hmm. handle it. And then when you, even when you break free, that voice is still in your head, right? Um, So making sure you just kind of always have that confidence is, is a major way to protect yourself. Wow. That is so great. Yeah. It's crazy. It's something, I mean, I definitely see it, but I've never, I guess, coined that term. Like I thought of that term, like financial abuse. It's such a powerful and important topic to discuss because I see it in so many different relationships. And I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate. And it's also just a hard topic to like bring up because like, how do you tell your friend, hey, I don't think you guys are man- managing money well and you know maybe like that's i don't know i feel like that's such a like and people it's will get a touchy subject yeah like a lot of t- subjects about money, money it's a touchy everything. one yeah. but it's also um talking about a relationship that's very personal to them and it's i mean when you talk about it, it you know even physical abuse is a topic that's yeah. uncomfortable to discuss with someone um, or emotional abuse, any kind of abuse, because it's so, such a vulnerable situation. But as a working mom who has given up a career and staying at home, there's already a loss of confidence. Mm-hmm. And re-entering the workforce is already a daunting thought. So if there's not encouragement at home, but but negative talk around that. And even like you said, where they're 
you know, sabotaging the efforts of the mom to go back to work, well, then her confidence is just going to be lower and lower and lower Mm -hmm. and lower with everything that happens. Yeah. And we don't want to, abuse is a big, scary word, right? (laughs) So when we see it come up, even when people are directly reaching out to us, we try to come at it from a different angle first. And if you have friends where you're seeing that, I think that that's the biggest thing of like, first, just giving them someone to talk to of, hey, I'm handling this money stuff too. And it seems a little overwhelming. You seem a little bit overwhelmed. Do you want to talk about it? And just open the line of communication because any abusive relationship, right, is going to be cutting off communication to, to mm-hmm. outside sources and friends. Um, we try to surround them with other women who are handling their money. It's why we have the, it's one of the reasons we have the Facebook group, right? Of if you see other women doing this, it might start a conversation. And this is where we live in areas of gray, right? Something you see with your friends might make you raise your eyebrows, but it might just be that that's how her spouse saw money handled at home and he doesn't know any better either. And having an open, honest conversation will fix it before it falls too far. Um, I don't want everyone to go out and start right. seeing abuse everywhere. <laughs> no, 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 um, definitely. That's but a great just keeping point. an open line of communication for sure. So yeah. important. And your Facebook group is free to join. Absolutely and open for everyone. It's Smart Money Mamas, right? That's it's actually the Mamas Talk Money community. Mamas oh. Talk Money community yeah. on Facebook. Okay, oh. great. We'll put that in the show links. Um, <laughs> so Mamas Talk Money. I would love to um, find out or hear a little bit more about, I mean, I've seen on your Instagram that you talk about educating your children and you know how you go about that in different stages of you know, their childhood. Um, so I guess what would be, I know there was one, I just passed it, um, that talked about like, what would, what's the one piece of advice you would give your child for money? And, you know, you have all this like amazing comments on it, but, um, just wanted to get your advice and, you know, as you have, you know, gone through your journey as a mother, how have you, you know, incorporated that into the everyday? So my boys are still little, right? My oldest will turn four, uh, in February. So they're still early in their journey, very much so. Um, The first thing always, no matter how old your kid is, no matter whether you have kids yet, is healing your own um, money mindset, right? And thinking about what is our relationship with money and what are we passing on to our kids? We have this gift of building a, a thought process around money with them when they're little. And we hear all the time, like one thing that we tell people is like, Never tell your kids you can't afford something. Mm -hmm. The reality might feel that way, but oftentimes we're making a choice. You can't afford it because we're doing something else. And you have to frame it that way of, okay, if we get this extra thing at the grocery store, we can't do X, Y, Z and start teaching them that there's trade-offs and that you're in control of making that choice, not just that scarcity mindset of I can't Mm -hmm. afford it. So when your kids are really little, Um, mostly it's about how we talk about money and how we interact with money around them. They pick up on that really, really early. Um, Most kids can understand the basic economic concept of money by the age of three. And many of them have started to form and solidify thought processes around money behavior by seven, right? So this is really about how do we talk to them about it? So starting at three or four, uh, we often recommend letting them have some agency, giving them a little bit of whether it's an allowance, whether it's them helping make choices in the grocery store, um, which is one of my favorite things to do with my four-year-old. He loves math to begin with, but we'll go in and we say like, okay, we have $20 for fruit. What do you want to buy? And we go around and we say like, okay, if you want blueberries, you only get this like little thing of blueberries. Wow. Um, and, and we do that kind of work, right? Like let them 
see what money does and how it works. Let them pay the cashier, right? Mm -hmm. And and start to instill some saving stuff. So another thing that we do with him um, is that he gets an allowance. It started. We started when he was three. And we split it up into spend, save, and give, which is very common now. Wow. Um, but for his give, he loves sea creatures. He could name an enormous amount of sea creatures. So we use the World Wildlife Foundation. And you can donations start as little as $25. But I think at 50, they get like a stuffed animal and a certificate. Oh, awesome. So we match his giving, he saves up, and then he picks an animal to rescue, quote unquote rescue, right? Mm -hmm. And he gets his little stuffed animal. And we're starting to just build those habits with them, right? And as they get older, we just back away a little bit and we let them make mistakes and we let them kind of expand into, okay, you're seven or eight now and you want a bigger thing. You want to, I don't even know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) a video game or whatever it is, a new bike. Mm -hmm. What are some other ways you could earn money? This is your allowance. This is how much you get to put in spend every month or every week. How many weeks would it take you to get to your bike? Okay, do you want it to go faster? Here are, your, here are some options. Like you could yeah. go, you could do some other chores. You could go rake leaves for the neighbors. It's little things when they're younger, but it's just giving them more and more chances to, to use money and to make mistakes. And I think that this is the hardest part for so many of our parents is like, Mm -hmm. we want to protect them and we have all our own biases about our own money mistakes that we're like, no, 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 don't do that. But we'd much rather them make a mistake with $20 than (laughs) $2,000 or $20,000. So that's how we kind of think about it. And I'm curious while we're at this age group, um, I know there's a lot of conversation about allowance and whether it should be tied to uh, chores around the home or whether it's just because they're part of the family. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think there's necessarily one right answer. I think everybody has to kind of come to their own decision, but what are your thoughts and feelings about that? I don't think there's a right answer. Um, we do allowance as it's part of just being in the family, right? It's a, it's a financial education tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also he also has chores that he has that are just being part of the family as well, right? And right. we don't restrict his allowance when he doesn't do those things, but he right. has other restrictions <laughs> when he doesn't do those things. So yes. um, he understands that all of those things tie into being part of the house. Um there is there's a there's merit to the idea of like tying chores as like a form of work um yes but for us who i have a stay-at-home husband who takes care of the kids and i work we and we have two boys we're very focused on making sure that we raise boys who pull their weight at home Mm -hmm. and that means teaching them that doing chores around the house is just part of being a person and so for us that's the main focus not tying it to money which we can do in other ways like giving them opportunities to be entrepreneurial or extra tours or things like that yes wow i I love love that that. well and i would like i feel like that's such a good balance yes i agree um i like to share because I just started going to therapy this month and it's crazy to think of like all the small things that affect your child, like that your parents did in your childhood that you never thought that like would affect your every day, like years later. And that's the biggest thing I've learned from going to therapy was like, for instance, I mean, kind of going back to like you giving um, your boys like $20 at the grocery store. And just giving them that agency to like make those choices for themselves is so important because I mean, I'm not going to go all into my session, but basically like I growing up, I've never really felt like I had an opinion in anything. And like, I 
just, I don't know. I never really just like, I always like listened to my parents and like, like older people were the authority. And like, I just did whatever they told me to do and whatever. And like the smallest things like, Oh, you know, at the grocery store, Oh, should we get apples or oranges? And if I say I want apples, they'll get oranges. And it's, it was always like, they did the opposite of whatever mm-hmm. I'd asked for or whatever. And it was just even the smallest things though. And it's crazy how impactful that can be for a child. And I mean, I, I just learned that today. At, I mean, last week at like 27, you know, like it's crazy how just, I mean, I think that's so important and so powerful that you're doing that because like it's just giving them so much agency and so much like pat like no like you know just feeling power like their worth too. Yes, you know? it's not just about the parents and whatever they want. Like it's also you know I'm part of this household too, and I would actually like apples instead of oranges. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I, I and love I think, how you t- go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I love how you talk about instead of saying uh, we can't afford it, it's important to say we're making this choice, not this choice. And if we want to make this choice, then we have to plan for it. But that's so important too, because speaking directly to the mindset, we can afford anything we want and people afford stuff all the time. I mean, it was so, uh, when we were growing up, um, I remember that we didn't have, you know, we didn't, as soon as the first video game came out or whatever, we didn't get the first video game. We didn't have video games, but it was like, I knew people and I was like, but I know that we're, you know, in somehow, in some way I knew that, you know, okay, maybe we had a bigger house or two cars and just knew that they were struggling, but yet knew that they had video games. And it was like, why don't we get video games? They have video games. You know, it was like, so we didn't really discuss why we didn't have video games. It was just, we don't. And we, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think it was ever said that we couldn't afford it, but it was, I just love that, that it's more of a discussion. Now I feel like even just across the board, everything is more discussed than it was when I was growing up. It was definitely more like you said, it was like, you don't have a voice. Um, and, uh, not that, I mean, I do feel like my parents heard me and listened to me and we did have an open conversation, but just society in general, things weren't discussed as much. Whereas now it is much more open and common to talk about everything, (laughs) which is, I think so much healthier. Yeah, I do think, just to mention though, right, like there's going to be things that our kids are going to talk about in therapy, right? We're going oh, yeah. <laughs> to screw it up, right? And this like pressure of like, no, no, we have to just do all these things. And like, it could be that my kid in 20 years is never going to want to talk about money because all her, his mom did is ever talk about money. I don't know that. I can just work with like what I've what yes, we're got. And that's, and I love the Brene Brown um, parenting philosophy of like, when you screw up, because you will screw up, mm-hmm. being honest with them, of coming back and saying, listen, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have restricted your access to your own money because of whatever hangups, right? And this is one that comes up a lot for people is that um, this association of money with power and a lack of power often comes from our parents saying, you can't spend your money in that way or yeah. I'm not letting you go on this trip because I'm angry at you because of X, Y, and Z. And like making sure that they feel like they always have, like that, it just comes back to that agency, right? That they mm-hmm. have some some choice in what they do and that there are consequences, um, but they their behavior plays into that. And then it's a discussion. It's not all, all or nothing. 
I am the ruler. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I will decide everything. You will like it or not. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely. Okay. What about for older kids? Do you have a few tips for some of the older, uh, how we can work Sure. So investing is something I definitely recommend starting as early as your kid starts working. And if you have a child that is super entrepreneurial, right, and they want to start a little business at 13 or 14, as soon as they have earned income, they can open a Roth IRA and they can save for retirement um, or or however they want to handle that. Now, they can take the principal out at any time. So this is actually a cool way to save if, you know, obviously we're all drooling at the compound interest of 40, 50 years to sit in there. But if they need the money, they want to buy a house or they want to start a business. Um, first of all, first time home buyers can remove from a Roth up to a certain amount um, oh. without a penalty. Um, but you can always take the principal out. So if he puts in $500 a year and he has some money in there that he can take out, he can't take out the growth, but he can take out the principal. Mm-hmm. So, or she, sorry, I have boys. So my headspace <laughs> <laughs> is there. Um, that's a great, great place to start and explaining to them how to do that. Um, and even giving them some other, some other avenues. We're not at this point with our age or with our boys ages yet. Uh, but we have friends that actually use like small investing apps to create a jar of their allowance that is invest mm-hmm. um, and doing that really delicately. So I like the app called love. It's uh, loved. It's completely free and they can invest in single stocks or ETFs um, with fractional shares. So they can start with $5 and they could buy, they could go out and buy Nike or they could go out and buy a stock and just start to learn how to watch the markets. Wow. I think one of those things of like not understanding that there's going to be moments that the market crashes and that doesn't mean you lost all your money. Um, You've only lost all your money if you sell and lock in that loss, right? Letting them start to practice, I think is a good place to start, but definitely um, getting them interested or at least informed about investing and how it works. Compound interest is a good place to start there to tell them like, Hey, I know you don't want to put this money away right now, but let's talk about what it's going to be worth in 10, 20 or 30 years. Just show them the math. Mm -hmm. Often that lights them up, right? Like if you can show them like you need to put away, this many dollars a year to be a millionaire by 50 or whatever it is. That's, that's a, a connection point that they can get to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So investing and then work, honestly, like I'm a huge fan of um, giving kids exposure to work early. We worked uh, full-time in the summer through high school. Uh, we had businesses and things like that. We, we worked part-time in college. And it just gives you, first of all, your own money and that sense of freedom and that you're pulling away a little bit and you're getting more responsibilities for more of your spending um, and it's letting them practice. So um, I'm a big fan of that. My parents actually had a rule that we had to do at least one summer of hard labor. It could be whatever we wanted, uh, but we had to pick something. Uh, Mine was working at a tobacco farm. Wow. I ended up doing it for four years. I loved it. I made more money than I could do anything else. Um, I could work more hours. And it was just a a reason of like, not to say that that kind of labor is bad or not desired or whatever, but they wanted us to experience it so that when we chose a different path, um, we both respected that work and knew our privilege of not doing that work, right? So um, that was a good experience for both of us. That's incredible. Wow. So it sounds like you had parents where, was money talked about when you were growing up, it sounds like it 
probably was with them having you. I love that they had you. That I've never heard that. And that is like so golden to have them work a manual labor job at least one summer in their high school years. That's I mean, I feel like that we should make that a law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new Chelsea Brennan Smart Money Mama's law right here and there, I say. <laughs> I have four kids. They're grown now. And boy, why didn't I do that? <laughs> um, yeah. So, yes, my parents talked about money. Uh, my dad actually was a software developer and he wrote software to price mutual funds, which is as exciting as it sounds, but it meant that I but heard still, about, yeah. so I heard cool. about mutual funds and mutual fund fees since I was like 10 years old, right? It's like all I heard about the impact of fees and how ridiculous hidden fees are at certain things and how annuities hide fees and all this kind of stuff, right? Because his software programmed it. Well, you need to look out for fees at least because that's, that's a big, I mean, that can, you know, small percentages and fees can take a huge chunk mm-hmm. of your money. So if you're not aware of them, then, I mean, you at least knew going into it, look for the fees. <laughs> Always look for the fees. And that's, fees sound so small. They do such a good job of being like, it's 1%. It's okay. It's 1%. <laughs> Except if you're only growing 6 or 7%, right. it's really 15% of your growth that you're giving mm-hmm. up. So yeah, I'll get off that soapbox for a second, but uh, <laughs> stay on it. We don't mind. <laughs> so we're, we we're super focused on fees and we heard about investing from an early age. I was always really interested in money. Um, so my dad's business partner is actually the one that had really healthy money habits. Um, and he gifted me some great books. I had, he gave me the millionaire next door. Um, he gave me uh, one of Milton Friedman's books when I was little. He gave me another investing book that was like a brick and I barely understood half of it, but I started really early. And I knew at first I wanted to be an economist, then I knew I wanted to work on Wall Street. Uh, I was always really interested. But we talk about how our parents' conversations about money impact who we are. Mm -hmm. And my father was obsessed with wealth. And he was idolized people who had a lot of money or had a lot of success. And I wanted his approval very badly. And what that meant was that I tied and I still, I talk about this on our show and in our platform, I still struggle with that net worth equals self-worth mindset. And that when I'm not earning a lot of money or, I'm, or I choose to make a purchase that's at all frivolous, that I'm giving up some of that self-worth and undoing that has taken a long time and is still something that comes up for me. Um, you know, if the business has a rough month or something. So um, it was talked about. It wasn't always talked about in the most healthy of ways, but I was, I definitely entered adulthood with a much greater understanding about the power of investing and the power of handling your money for your future than a lot of people get, which was a huge blessing. Definitely. But I like, I like the phrase net worth equals your self-worth. Not, not that it's real, but like just (laughs) because it's, I mean, I definitely can fall under that. Like I, especially like owning your own business, like it's your everything. So it's like, if you're not making enough, like you're like, crap, am I worthy? Like, do people like me? Do they want to work with me? Like why, what's going on? And there's just so much of that negative mindset going on in there. Um, so I've never thought of it that way, but I like, I, I know it's not like a positive thing to say, but it's, I like, I guess the meaning behind it. I don't know. <laughs> I think it, I think a lot of us grapple with it because intellectually we can understand that obviously our value is not in how much money we have or don't have. We would never expect that of other people. Yet we live in a society where we have to monetize our skills to live, yeah. right? So we do in some ways 
think about the value of our skills and the value of our person in a dollar amount that we can then go out and earn mm -hmm. and separating that as we go to manage our money can be a hairy subject. Um, and it's something that even if it wasn't reinforced by your parents has probably come up before. Um, and remembering to kind of think about your value in ways that aren't monetary. And this is one of the, the strategies I was taught of like, when you sit down to do your net worth, even if it's just once a quarter or once a year, writing down all the other value you have, the things you don't put a dollar on, right? The um, time with your kids or whatever, mm -hmm. so that if the numbers don't look exactly how you want, you remember that you're still a valuable human being yes. <laughs> and that these are not the same thing. Yeah, that's so important. That's so good. So golden because it is one of those things. Um, there's so many people that just don't feel worthy in general. Mm -hmm. And they, and I think a large part of that is because they do tie it, especially for mamas, because, hey, guess what? You get paid nothing for being a mom. And if you're a stay-at-home mom, it can definitely affect your feeling of worthiness. If you have that mindset, if you don't have the mindset, luckily, I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom, but I knew what I was doing was important. And so I took that, you know, I knew that I was a valuable Value, asset to yes. my kids and my family because of that. But um, I've definitely talked to so many moms who were, I think that's why they're, feelings of worthiness did take such a huge hit is because mm -hmm. they tied it more directly to, well, I'm not making anything. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not contributing anything to our, you know, to our financial picture. Well, yeah, but you're, you're contributing something to your children's lives yeah. and you can't put a number on that. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's definitely something that is so important to talk about with especially I feel like in a group of mamas. So I love that you are preaching how they need to also list all their other assets. And those are just if, if not more valuable than what they're earning. And I actually just pulled this quote up because it so ties with what you're saying about value and especially for stay at home parents and women who say yes to unpaid work so much more often than men. There's this uh -huh. quote from, from Barry Tesler who I, I, mentioned earlier that says under earning can be about underselling, under expressing, under loving, over giving, under receiving, under knowing, over yesing. And this is where even if you're succeeding in your career, right? If you're saying yes to work that doesn't actually value you, and mm -hmm. if you're turning away from things that are important to you, you're not respecting your own value. Um, and, and we're huge on that, right? Of like making sure that we are respecting who we are as people and the value we bring to our lives as a whole. Yeah. Oh, that was an amazing quote. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for all of your amazing knowledge um, that you've shared with us and for continuing this, I mean, your knowledge all over your platforms. Um, I am so excited to be a part of your February um, <laughs> challenge or um, course. And um, But we like to end every episode with two questions. Um, the first question being, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is having the freedom to find and pursue your greater purpose. Um, when I think about success, I always think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to be at the top of that pyramid and really finding greater fulfillment than just trying to fill in what our day-to-day our -day needs are right yeah. here. Wow. That's good. I love that. And then the other question that we always talk about is what are the three words that come to mind when you think about money? 
Ooh, that's a good question. I think about money way too much, so there's lots of work. Narrowing <laughs> uh, <laughs> it down to three is going to be a tough one, huh? <laughs> um, I think the first one is options. Um, definitely, I think that having control of your money, no matter how much money you have, um, gives you more option and more choice and mm-hmm. comes back to that word of agency, right? Right. Options. Um, and then security and comfort, right, are the other two words that I often associate with financial health and with money. I love those. I love those are so good. That's a good one. Right? Mm-hmm. I like that. Comfort. I don't think we've had that one yet. And that's no. such a great, I love that. We have the best I'm guests. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> really good. The best guests with the best answers. Uh, well, you um, have so many amazing links and places for people to find out more. So we will definitely link those to the show notes and uh everyone if you're not following her on instagram go follow her at why don't you tell us where all we can find you all the places sure so i'm at smart money mamas on all social platforms like i mentioned earlier our free facebook group is the mamas talk money community Uh, but we're pretty much smart money mamas anywhere you want to google it's the smart money mamas show is the podcast um and i've raised six people <laughs> By the time this comes out, it she'll already have launched. So we'll sure already be talking mindset out. over there. Yes. So so yeah, check it out. I spend a lot of time in our Facebook group and definitely on Instagram. So those are two okay. places to check out if you have specific questions or you just want to chat. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, Chelsea. This has been so amazing. Thank and you so much for having me. I, I feel like we'll definitely want to have you on again. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, definitely. So thank you That'll so much. Have a great day, guys. All right. Thanks. Okay, you all know the drill. Please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And let's keep the conversation going on Instagram. Share your favorite part from this week's show. And we'll see you next Money Monday. Bye. Bye.